What's going on? Hey everybody, Mitch Michaels here, and it's time for another episode of the Money Mitch Effect Sports Podcast, where we got a lot to talk about today. Hope you're having a good week as we get into January 2019 NFL playoffs this week. Talking to my buddy Anthony Germain. We work together at the NFL Network. We got a lot to say about the wild card weekend, what went down, how the betting lines are affected. We look at the divisional round of the playoffs, the final eight in the NFL. Lots of breakdown. He's got some things to say, especially about his Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Foles. And what upsets? One, two, maybe all of them? Do we like this week? We break all that down, me and Anthony Germain. And then Jose Young's back on the show again to recap what he talked about last week on the Money Mitch Effect. New Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Tanahashi Omega was a classic. Some other great matches, including Naito Jericho as well. We break down Wrestle Kingdom 13. Jose Young, but first up, Anthony Germain here now on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, the long overdue return from a former NFL Network coworker of mine slash Genesis Club, the now defunct Genesis Club in Hollywood, uh, party goer on occasion. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and now a sports gambling, alcohol. sports gambling extraordinary Anthony Jermaine back on the show to talk some football. Anthony, welcome. Mitch, what is up? It is great to be back on the Money Mitch Effect, as you like to say. It's good cadence. Yes. Um, well, don't get me started on cadences. It's one of my favorite things in football. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, they're just they're just so dynamic nowadays. You can't really beat it. Well, we we do have a lot to talk about. We're both uh, we both play, as they say. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of fun football left. A lot of gambling left to do. Yeah. This might be the best weekend of football coming up. Everyone kind of says this is the week. It's the last time there'll be four games, four uh, playoff games. You get the top eight teams all playing in the same weekend. Yeah, I would have to definitely agree with you on that. Um, this round of football has been like historically like just my favorite. There's always like crazy things that happen, and it's probably because it's the top seeds, and when they get upset, it's a, it, you know it shocks everybody. And so yeah, it's a great time. Can't wait. Got some good matchups coming up this weekend. I do want to mention how completely wrong I was on the college football championship game with Bama just getting destroyed by Clemson. Worst loss in the Saban Alabama era ever. Like they have not, they did not lose like that to any other team, and. In his losses, just thoroughly dominated. You hate to see that, right? The SEC just finally not winning. It's just, oh it's yeah, awful. God, it was <laughs> awful. I I couldn't bear to watch. Um, no, but as you know, I'm not a huge college football guy. Um, you know, I like to I like to tinker with it. Uh, you know, throw some throw some coin on it here and there. Um, and with it being the national championship, you know, I, I had to partake in that. But it is always fun watching Alabama go down, um, and to, for them to go down the, that way was amazing. And one of my favorite parts is just watching how angry Nick Saban gets on the sideline. It's like, it's funny just to see him fester up and fit, like all that anger inside of him. And he, you know, it's I just it's great. He already hates being a part of that game because he can't recruit. So it's just like a distraction from recruiting. Like even if he wins, he's like, oh, this is kind of a waste of time. I got a five-star I need to sign. (laughs) Um, But hey, you know what? They can't win every year, although these two teams have literally won every year for the past four years. So it's starting to get, I don't want to say a little NBA-ish because we got the same two teams that have just been doing battle, but these are the standard bearers. Like it's a big drop-off to third place right now because Clemson has basically built themselves into under Davos Sweeney the next Alabama so 
Yeah, I heard some. Ugh. I heard some stat on the radio today that was that basically said that Clemson and Alabama have had the same record, win loss record in the past. Was it two seasons, three seasons, I think four, four seasons? Yeah. So yeah, I mean Clemson basically is the new Alabama, and I'm sure. I mean, they'll be there again next year, so whatever. If you need a quarterback in two years, Trevor Lawrence is your guy because that kid is... Uh, this happens every year. Dude, but has it ever been this good? Yeah, there, this <laughs> stuff happens all the time. It happens every year. There's always some young quarterback. Ugh. Last year it was Tua, and then, you know, I Dude. mean, Tua was still great this year. He Not was. saying he wasn't, but look what happened. I so. would have voted for him for Heisman. Just throwing that yeah. out there. So uh, this stuff happens every year. Everybody's, you know, the the Trevor Lawrence hype is, is hot. It's coming it's in hot, hot right it now. It is hot hype, and everybody needs to pump the brakes. That's what I've learned over over the years. It's just there's there's so much hype for one specific time, and then it eventually will take. I mean, it, there's hype, but he looks like. I mean, Trevor Lawrence yeah. doesn't look like a starter. I mean, he looks like a five star man out there. I'm not gonna sit here and <laughs> say know? he did it. Yeah, you know, he's 19. That was that was an incredible performance, but you know, yeah. let's let's pump the brakes just a little. Yeah, definitely. When not. did he take over? Week three. They, they played together. Uh, he played a little bit early in the season, but he took the job week three and never let it go. Okay, so he's played most of the season. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, there's lots of room, but there is uh, because how come he wasn't up for the Heisman or? Yeah, it's another thing where so I don't think the numbers, yeah, the numbers weren't as great as Kyler's clearly or Tua's. Also, he's out late in a lot of the games. The ACC was terrible this year, so he like Tua didn't oh. play a lot of fourth quarters. Oh, okay. So yeah, I thought but, he was like the greatest quarterback. So okay, all right, He's a little <laughs> jealous there. Well, a little jealous. <laughs> no, there. I like the kid. I just you know, it's just yeah. Well, in any event. Where we expect him to be eventually is the NFL, and that's where we're going to go right now. Last weekend, when we were talking about the wild card round, it was three really close lines and one prohibitive favorite in the Bears. The Bears lose outright to the Eagles. And in the other three, you had a situation that I called. I wasn't exactly sure which one. But anytime you see three lines between like two and a half and one, one and a half, you know that there's going to be a one point or two point win where a team wins but doesn't cover. That is the favorite. We saw it in the Seattle-Dallas game. Yeah, I brought this up. I actually had a friend that texted me. and Well, actually, let me rewind. I talked to about 20 different people about the Cowboys and Seattle game just to get a feel for who was taking what or who liked what. And not one person, not one person said the Dallas Cowboys. And they said it with such confidence. Like, oh, oh, Seahawks. These weren't your Seahawks. Philly fans? Seahawks. These no, were, no, these okay. were like people right. I work with. Okay. Yeah, there were some of my Philly Philly fans and friends, but it doesn't matter. Like, when everybody is on one side, that's a red flag, right? Yeah. Big red flag. True. Although, this was, we should put it in the context. If you had the Cowboys minus two and a half, yeah. it's one of the worst beats ever. Yeah. Because you got to consider that garbage time touchdowns are one thing. That's that's part of the game. When you you know that if your if your team's up ten, you could get burned in any late situation. But this situation required a kicker, right? And my favorite kicker, that's, just want to point it that's out, that's what I was. Seabass, yeah, <laughs> getting hurt, which that's not surprising. I mean, he probably could get hurt out of bed or a night out at Patty's Pub or something. Yeah, but well, <laughs> let's, not, let's not go down that path. But either. no, but so Seattle had to. They had Dixon taking fake, taking field goals, warming up, and they wouldn't let him kick. They got two two-point conversions yeah. to cover this. Spread. And I mean, honestly, I feel like that's how most of the season has gone. It's been a very, if you want to be cool and use uh, betting lingo, it's been a square. It's been a very square year, and right, right, now, things that like that because, have been happening. Is that because 
that's not a personal side, right? You're not saying that because no, you had I, some off- this is because the favorites yeah, have won a lot of the a lot of the yeah. favorite. Like you can go back to the season the when the Saints covered ten games in a row, and it's yeah. you know the Chiefs covered six games in a row for a long time. The Rams covered early, but they you know they Vegas kind of figured them out. What but, was the worst week? There was one week that was just abnormally bad uh, for Vegas. And I believe it was like every single favorite that uh, a lot of. Uh, yeah, I feel like that also happens yeah. every year. But like, yeah. I remember the headlines were like, "Oh, Vegas takes its biggest loss." In I think 10 it was years, a lot of. Home, was... I think it was a lot of dogs actually winning outright. I think it was the week that the Browns outright beat the Falcons. Well, that's not and good for Vegas. Yeah, Vegas, I think a lot of that stuff started happening. Vegas yeah. doesn't like when all the co- when all the favorites cover because then all the parlay cards hit. Yeah, and that's where they get crushed. But you get a team, yeah, you get a bad team that that shocks somebody and wins outright. That could hurt them too. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting season. But, I, yeah, I'm sorry to go back to your original question before I got derailed. But yeah, so what I ended up doing for that Seahawks and Cowboys game was whenever I see a line that's tinkering between two two and a half points, right? Was your question mm-hmm. about it being under a field goal? If it never goes up to three, and it's just tinkering between two and two and a half. Just go money line. Just go money line. If, if you if you like the favorite, so I actually had a friend that texted me and asked me who I was taking, and I told him I like the Cowboys because nobody is talking about the Cowboys. Everybody's hot on Seattle, and he said two and a half. I said no, money line, and he was said he was so close to putting in a two and a half bet, and then we watched that game together, and I got a big sloppy kiss after that. Oh, okay, that sounds great. Yeah, so enjoyed it. So. Well, up until that last part, you had me. Um, but in, in, in any event, <laughs> if you look at that game, and I'm sure you know, you sacrificed what the payout would be. What was it like? Probably one, minus one forty. Uh, the Cowboys one. Yeah, it was line. minus one thirty-five. Okay. I didn't mind laying it. It's yeah. No, you know, I mean, honestly, if, if that would have cost me, but that half. First of all, my blood pressure. You could have died. You might not be here right now. I might have broke something. Yeah. Um. I might have. You know. Who knows what could have happened? But you know. That's that's why I do that. That's my rule. Yeah. You don't want to get unnecessarily mad at like Russell Wilson or you know. Yeah. Because I love Russell. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I actually I lose to Russell. (laughs) Every time I bet against or on the Seahawks and lose, I actually never get happy. That's how much I love Russell. You uh, you really do love Russell. You should also thank um. Schottenheimer's kid, Brian Schottenheimer, for just an atrocious game plan where they ran, they threw the ball 21 times with Russell Wilson. Yeah. But they ran Chris Carson right into that awesome Dallas D line. Yeah. It's like, it's like when Pete Carroll didn't run the ball in the Super Bowl. And now he's overcorrect. It's a market overcorrection. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, you know what? F it. I'm going to run all the time. Yeah. You guys all said I wouldn't run. Here's this. Yeah. It did show me too that, well, we all, everybody in their right mind knows that Russell's better than a quarterback like Dak. Dak just doesn't have to blow it. If he just doesn't blow it, they're going to have a chance to win with that defense and Zeke running it. And and Dak did make some plays. It's funny how this is going to be a, a repeated narrative, especially this week against a quarterback who, hate to break it to the L.A. fans, look at the stats. They had, like, identical years. Yeah. So, <laughs> so just just so, throwing that out there. Yeah, so we're jump, are we jumping into we this We'll get to that in a second. Okay. I, I wanna, so we're going to hold off on We're going to get to that in okay. a second. I just wanted to talk about the whole – the DAG narratives are so funny. We do this with young quarterbacks well, they, too, right? We overrate them when they're young. Or, yeah, we overrate them, and then we think that they're trash when they don't 
light up the league in year two automatically, and then they become underrated. Right. That's a very fair point, and that's all everybody wants to talk about with Dallas. You know, people don't realize that Dallas actually has a really good team. And their defense and everybody is, wants, yeah. And everybody just wants to talk about, well, Dak. Dak can't throw. Dak can't do this. Dak can't do that. But, you know, they have a really good run game. They have a great defense. Uh you know, it's there's more to it than just Dak Prescott. So my hand of the week was the Colts. Felt pretty good going into that game. Took a money line. I think it was more not believing in the Texans. I do like Andrew Luck, and maybe that was part of my heart taking over on the Colts side. Texans were only a game better than them. If you watched how the Colts finished versus how the Texans finished, Texans were lucky to even win the division with that Jacksonville game in Week 17. I felt like throughout the season it was a lot of just Deshaun Watson having to just do a lot. I mean, you remember the end of that Eagles game where it was just Deshaun just having to make plays to get him back into yeah. it? Mm-hmm. And I took the Colts on the road in a close game. Another one where it just felt like, why not go money line? If you're in that point and you really believe in the underdog, two points, I was ready yeah. to go with it there. Um, that was one of my favorite games, obviously, the weekend. Then Eagles-Bears. I know you're a Philly guy, and it was good to see the former kicker, Dia Salad and Cody Parkey. Double, double <laughs> but, but but amazing that in 2019 that we don't have the technology that we no one really knew it instantly that it was no good. Yeah, like the angle just didn't catch it. Yeah, I had to wait for the ref signal. It was. I had that very conversation. I stayed away from this one, but I was having the conversation that if you like the Eagles, I would have bet money line because I didn't feel like I didn't feel like the Bears. I thought the Bears were going to win by double digits, or the Eagles were going to outright win the game. Yeah, I had that vibe going in. You know, it just yeah. seemed that way. Um. Well, back to the real quick, back to the Texans and Colts. Uh, that was one game I did not have an opinion about. I was just so confused because you know, on one side the Colts were hot, on the other side, if you look at look at Texans on paper, you're like, how can they lose? They have a better t- team talent wise. And mm, when you they, can't run the ball, that's defensively, huge. They got. Here's one thing: flashiness in football is what it's quarterbacks. And now it's these D-line beasts, like Khalil Mack, J.J. Watt, Jadavion right. Connie. You know what's not flashy? A good offensive line. That's true. The Colts own the line of scrimmage. Quentin Nelson, first-team All-Pro as a rookie. Right. I mean, and this is – I think you have to deprogram yourself, too, because before Andrew Luck got hurt, everybody thought the Colts are just this way. Like, Luck has to make plays. They don't have a running game. It's high scoring. They've drafted really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nelson and Leonard, the second-round pick, the linebacker, both all pro in the NFL. They have a line now. They have a defense. Marlon Mack is running the ball. This isn't what they were before Luck got hurt. Yeah, and they have, I mean, they have, like, probably the least sexiest team in the league, I think yeah. is what you're hey, trying to say. It's they not have, about how sexy well, it is. They just got to get the job done. I mean, they're they're the Colts, and they're just, they've always been boring in my eyes. Andrew Luck's boring. Uh, the only thing not boring about that team right now is Frank Reich. Uh, he's pretty awesome. He's, he's pretty aged cool. quicker than anyone in the last thirty years. He Maybe. went from like younger, like younger, good-looking guy to now he looks like old man winter with that gray beard. <laughs> you know, but... ex Eagles OC baby. Uh, so, you know, not the not the not to get all Eagles on you, but you know, I, that's that's the only thing not or that is the only sexy thing about the Colts. I like that offensive. When I watch them play football, it reminds me of how the Eagles ran offense last year. Pre Nick Foles this year, it's yeah, and that's a way that works in the playoffs. Yeah, like, goes on the road. Doesn't matter where you're playing. Just we're here to run the ball. We're here to control the line of scrimmage. And if Luck's not turning the ball over, which was always his issue, yeah, mm. I find myself reaching at the TV when I watch Colts game and saying, "I I want that back. <laughs> I just want that back." Hey, how many more? Like, so this is this the week where if Foles wins, 
it's his job. Yeah. Because so. I'm, I'm saying, look, look, I, I get that Wentz is the franchise and, and played great last year and probably would have won the MVP. But my question to you, an Eagles fan, what more is a quarterback supposed to do? What more now, do you want your quarterback okay. to do? <laughs> Let me just say this. So last year after the Super Bowl, I was, you know, as an Eagles fan, I'm, we've all, we've had our heart crushed over and over. I'm sure nobody else knows that more than Browns fans. I mean, Thank but you. your heart's not your heart gets crushed so early usually that you don't really understand this type of pain. That pain, my pain is, hey, let's go to the NFC Championship three three years out of four and lose and mm-hmm. come this close. Let's go to the Super Bowl and lose because yeah. the Patriots cheat. Um, <laughs> no. um, <laughs> um, so when we won the Super Bowl last year, I said, yeah, that's great. But I felt so bad for Carson Wentz because it was like, you know, he should have been there. He should have done that. Right? So I put it off for yeah. the next year. I said, you know what? Whatever. Nick Foles, you know, he gets hot here and there. I've seen this before. Remember, he played for Chip Kelly. He played for Andy Reid before, you know, before Chip Kelly. He played, a, a, I don't I forget if it was like half of a season. Right. But I remember Nick Foles was playing like early. So I'm like, I've seen this before. He kind of reminds me of... Ryan Fitzpatrick, you come in, get hot for three to four game span, and then fair. go yeah. back to you know being a very average quarterback. But <clears throat> now that excuse me, now that this has happened for a second time, I'm on board. I'm part of the Folesian society, as they like to say. It's on like say, yeah. if they beat the Saints, I think that's all I need. No, Dude. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I know. If like, they beat yeah. if they beat the Saints, I'm all in, and I'm I'm actually now saying it sounds freaking crazy. But I'm ready to trade Carson Wentz to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me Jalen Ramsey. Give me Fournette. And give me a first-round pick. Because guess what? Then they get their franchise quarterback. Wow. Well, uh, let me ask this first before I give my take. Is that what too would you crazy? Say? No. It, uh, Is that the, too the much? Trade, like, I don't know if you did the numbers on the trade and everything. But look, I, I see what you're saying. What would you say percentage-wise? They're going to get rid of Fournette anyway. What would you say percentage-wise? Folesian society. Versus the people that are still on one string. Right now. Not counting anybody, just the Philly fans. No, um, right now, if you listen to a Philadelphia sports radio station, it's about 50-50. It's that crazy. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, that's... Look. But I was... The difference with Fitzpatrick is he's not throwing interceptions. Right. Well... He threw a kill last game. He did. His first two games, he didn't look good. No. In the season. It's like this guy has to wait for the pressure, for the fire to be there. It's almost like the Eagles should develop... Uh, like a baseball system where it's like Carson Wentz comes in, he's your starting pitcher, and then in the Take seventh and eighth inning, let's, let's roll with Nicky, Nicky franchise. Um, I think Wentz might have been rushed back this year, mm-hmm. and you do have to wonder. It's fair to say, as good as he's looked, it's going to be about availability. This is a new injury; he's still hurt. Yeah, and is he going to be back to that guy who was an MVP player? It's safe to wonder if he is or not. Yeah, I was thinking the Raiders, by the way. You threw out the trade thing. They got all those first-round picks. John Gruden hates Derek Carr. Hates him. Well, like, yeah, and if they tra- if they give us two two of their fir- uh, first-round picks, one is uh, Chicago's, mm-hmm. which is in the 20s now. Right. And the other one is uh, Dallas, also in the 20s now. So, yeah. I mean, they're not even, like, top no. picks. Yeah. So they that can. if they gave us those two yeah. for one, or mm-hmm. the number, what pick do the Raiders have? Four? Three or four, yeah, right up there. You no, I, I'm just... I feel bad for Wentz too, but Foles is making all the plays in the clutch. He's and we need the we need the combine to figure out a way to have a baseline test with these guys, <laughs> like how they're able to just be calm in big moments repeatedly because that's what Foles has done. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know how you would do that. I I remember the Nike Spark test, but that doesn't measure that. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> also spark the Spark test, test has, has tricked me way too many times. I thought the Bears Jarek McKinnon was high on the oh, Spark test. You were a big Jarek McKinnon fan. <laughs> big Jarek McKinnon fan. I do remember that. Um I also think that the Bears waited too long. Nagy had a great season, but their offensive game plan kind of stunk. They waited to way too long to test that secondary of the Eagles depleted one. Yeah, the first half they it seemed like it, I don't, I don't want to I don't know were they playing a little scared on offense like or here's the other thing I'm I'm not gonna lie like okay so once the Eagles beat the Rams see the problem there was a, the Eagles were decimated. On the defense, they had some of the worst home losses this year that they've had in the last couple. True, of years. but they were they were decimated with injuries, especially in the secondary mm-hmm. early, mm-hmm. and then they beat the Rams. And I feel like they got their swagger back because I remember I, I I remember watching the Houston game because the Houston game was was very important to them making the playoffs at the time. They had to win, so when I, they I, they got a turnover at some point during the game, and I started no, noticing the ski mask thing. And as silly as it sounds, when I watched that, something hit my body and was like, holy. They got their swagger back, and that's a scary thing for that defense. I see what you're if saying. They revert back to the defense, but I also remember about that Houston game is that they let Houston back into the game, and then Foles had to drive again to the win. So, yeah. I see what you're saying. I do think the injuries and some of the losses that they've had are fair to wonder. But if Foles goes into New Orleans and beats the Saints, who destroyed the Eagles in New Orleans when Wentz was the quarterback, yeah, then I think you. Might and how about this? Foles didn't even play. He didn't even have a great game against the Bears until that final drive. And that final drive, you know, that's another well, that. drive too. The he Goddard had two interception drive. The Goddard touchdown drive too was yeah. phenomenal stuff. But he had two interceptions. He did. That game. He did. But so, the Bears defense was was tough yeah. To beat. That's he the beat thing. Him. It's like you know they said. Uh, so this year he took down the number one scoring defense. Last year he took down the number one scoring defense when they beat the Vikings and they demolished yeah. the Vikings. Wow. Anthony Germain, money Mitch effect. Before we go to this week's games, we do need to touch on Chargers Ravens. Chargers, the last game of Wild Card Weekend, we haven't talked about. Hey, I'm plus 600 on the Chargers. I made that bet before. Oh wow! Before that game, mm-hmm. it's just to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, and and I'll tell you my reason. I'm gonna One, ra- I'm gonna raise you. AFC, we're not betting straight. No, up. no, but I'm gonna raise you. Okay. I made a bet the Chargers to win the Super Bowl a couple. I want to say it was like week 14, 160 dollars to win 1K. That's good. So, I didn't have that kind of I didn't have that kind of cojones to do that. My preseason Super Bowl pick still alive. Mm-hmm. The Saints over Chargers. Oh, and something about just get, get just get to that game. And yeah. and I feel like one of the reasons that I think the AFC playoffs is, are so fun now is because the Colts won that game. Colts, Chiefs, Patriots, Chargers is way more fun than seeing the Patriots and Texans again, which the Patriots have had their way with them for a while. Right. And, you know, you have Chargers, Chiefs again, which in the divisional round, I'm just kind of tired of that matchup. It's kind of fresh here. So yeah, I am a fan of that. I thought the best, the most underrated coaching move this weekend for sure and in a long time. Gus Bradley's defense for the Chargers to go seven DBs against Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. I know it's genius. Boring. I know it's boring football. Genius. Yeah, genius. It's just it's like the guy that invented rum ham. It's just genius. <laughs> it's uh always with the sunny seven always seven <laughs> DBs to stop Lamar Jackson with the athletes is just a great move. I know they made it close late, but yeah. They bottled him up completely. I, I went to that same matchup in the, at the StubHub Center in yeah. LA in week fifteen and it was just it was just a stinker. Yeah. So I was not interested. That was the other. So last week. You also realize, by the way, how different a team like the Ravens are when they start good versus bad. 
Like that Chargers game, get a pick, touchdown. They're up seven nothing. Now you got a quarterback that's gonna just run the ball. And yeah, it's just, it was totally I mean, it makes game. sense. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so like last week there was two games that, two games I wasn't interested in, and two games I just loved, and I feel the same way about uh, these week's games. So there's two again that I'm just not really interested in, and two that I'm just like all aboard. And what were the NFC games last week? You were all aboard. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. was yeah. So the Eagles and the NFC games this week. You're all Is it? Let me hold on. <laughs> so, so you hate the AFC? Is Actually, that where we're yes, at right facts. now? These are He's all hated facts. the AFC. These are all facts. You're the AFC that? sucks. No one cares yeah. about the AFC. Okay, all right. Um, can we just? Yeah, I'll be watching. Oh, so overrated. Is that what you're gonna say? No, no. I, like, <laughs> I, like I want to see how long this AFC hate goes. <laughs> um, all right, I think it's time. We should get to it. Uh, this week's game, the divisional round. Okay. Final eighth. And I think the the Eagles are the one team that crashed the party, but they're the defending champs. This is a good group of teams left. There's not any stinker games, I don't think. I mean, you could see some lopsided scores, but I think the NFL really got it got lucky this year with the amount of good teams still in it. Usually there's a team that, you know, shouldn't have been making a run, gets an upset wild card weekend. So I'm happy with how it is right now. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, um <clears throat> the only the game, honestly, I'm just least interested in. Out of if I had to pick one that okay. I'm not yeah. interested in, is the Chargers Patriots. Okay. I'm just we can we can talk about that one first because is it is it just old age? Do you hate old people too? Rivers yeah. and uh, hate is a strong <laughs> Rivers and Brady, um, like the, the 80 year old quarterback matchup. <laughs> no, but clearly I'll be pulling for the Chargers because I told you about my my future Super Bowl bet. But I'm just I'm just t- like I every Patriot game I've seen this year is just like. It's it's like watching paint dry. It's like, boring. Gronk looks old and slow. Brady, and they, and they find a way to win. And they just, just yeah. listen to everybody talk about Brady's being old, and it's like it's a topic all the time. And like I'm just I'm can can they can one or the other just move on? Already? So so I I see what you're saying. I, I understand that clearly this is one of the weaker Patriot teams, and it's a testament to how good they've been. Mm-hmm. But it's like I think the first time in ten years that they're. Uh, Plus minus point differentials under 100 points for the season. They're, they've Ooh, been beaten by they've been beaten by five non playoff teams this year. Yeah, and that's the other thing about them. I don't understand. Weird. It is. It's very all weird. Their, yeah, I think all Jacksonville their losses, all their them. losses were to teams that didn't make the playoffs. The Dolphins, yeah, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and Detroit. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. That I is like, that is crazy. I like the Chargers that, this week. I like the Chargers. I would go money line. I'm probably going to go a little money line on it. Nothing yeah. crazy. And I think Rivers is playing well, but this has never really been about Rivers to me. This is about that Chargers defense, specifically oh, absolutely. their pass rush. Bosa's is back. Derwin James is a monster. Yeah. But it helps when you have Bosa and Ingram that are just beasts that are going to get in Brady's grill. How has every playoff game that he's lost gone with him getting roughed up a little bit? You got to get in his window. You got to get in his grill, and I think that's how it's going to happen. Yeah, and Bosa didn't play. What a stud! Well, I he, mean, just, he didn't play for half the season. I'm and that, he's as fresh as they come coming into the playoffs, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> he is a stud. I, like I was like Frank's little beauties over there, right? <laughs> this, um, uh, no, I, I. Well, how about this too? Yeah. Um, people are always like, "Oh, well, the Chargers suck when they travel. They go on the East Coast." Every time they the traveled this year, well, yeah. they, uh, they, they went to Pittsburgh on, what was that, Monday Night Football? Yeah, Beat Sunday Pittsburgh, and football. that was the argument. Everybody, even myself in my own blog, I was like, well, they're on East, or West Coast traveling East, and that's yeah, Might have been the, ma- the main event's worst best bet loss this year. Uh, no. I, 
back and think about this year. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about Every that. game is a road game for them because they have no fans in their stadium. That's They're true, built too. When, when, I, when I was there for the Ravens game, they it, there was a ton of Ravens fans there. The like only game ton. they lost was still in L.A. to the Rams. That's the only road game they lost all year. Yeah, and it's a, and, and I'm talking like they – and they traveled to Baltimore. That was another like all the way across the country. They're not going to do it. But and then you know, but here again, going to New England is anybody really? I mean, I I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are, you know, taking the Chargers. I feel like it's about a fifty-fifty split right now. But you can't count them out. I mean, for especially, but the Patriots are undefeated at home. They're undefeated at home. I know four four points. I would again. Yeah, I'm gonna I'd probably throw a little. And more isn't Philip Rivers like? Oh, and he's seven, never beaten never Tom beaten Brady, t- and it's been like it was like seven or eight games. The or only something. game they've ever won was against Matt Castle. Uh, the only game he's ever beaten the Patriots. Wow, um, oh, Castle boy. Um, yeah, is he still in the league? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Is he back up somewhere? <laughs> I feel like there's these guys that are just friends around. with people in the league, and they just hang around forever, like Mark Sanchez. Do you? <laughs> no business being in Mark the league Sanchez, at all. Mark Sanchez. I saw him. I went to USC Washington State on a Friday night. He let him out of the tunnel, out of the league. And then a couple months later, he's on the. Uh, I just don't. Well, I just don't understand. Like, there's no business being in the league. Like, he clearly is just has some connections and friends within the league, and they're like, "Oh, well, yeah, come play football." By the way, uh, and so we kind of like the Chargers here. Not thrilled. You would say points. You know what? Here's what I would honestly do. Uh, yeah, I would take the four points, um, depending on how heavy the money line is. Maybe you take the Patriots uh, money line and the Chargers point and try to middle it. I, I honestly see this game being really close. I don't minus see a blowout two, either way. About minus 200 for the Pats. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a close be, game. I don't too. get too high. That I think it's a high. close game too. All right, by the way, are you looking at line movement throughout the week? Is that something you're tracking or just kind of <clears> glancing at? Um, line movement is something to definitely look at. Like where it's, the money is going? How about percentage of money? Yeah, both. So there's you can look at percentage of money and the way the the line moves, but it's not it's not the Bible. It's just something that it, um, no, I'm being serious. It's something if yeah. you live and die by that, you'll you'll be relatively successful. But it's not it's not anything to really you know. Right. No, it makes sense. I'm the same like, way. Do just, it blindly, you know, yeah. just because it moves. It's. Yeah, maybe if you're like on the fence and you see it, it might sway you one way. But yeah, you know, a lot not, of it. There's a lot of psycholo- like psychological factors that go into. You're not going to get a perfect line. You're not going to wait all that week and be like, oh, this like it could always be better. It could always be worse. Right. You just gotta. But every time you're on the wrong side, you're like, God, why did I do that? What did I like? Exactly. Hindsight is always like sucks. Twenty twenty yeah. gambling. That's like, my I'm so stupid. Thing. That's my biggest thing. The other thing is people should be celebrating pushes more because it's not a loss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't great. celebrate that much. Great. People do not celebrate pushes <laughs> as much as they should. I do cartwheels when I push. <laughs> yeah. I'm push. I push, let me tell you. Um, okay, we'll get to the next game here. Um, I got to talk. So we got to stay in the AFC because I got to talk Chiefs, Colts. Oh, God, I'll take a nap. Dude, I'm riding the Colts. And I thought money. Every, I, all right. But I'm, th- I'm going to go points. another game. I'm, I'm going points. Colts team. And here's my logic from a football side of it. Everyone knows how good Pat Mahomes is, and I totally agree. Amazing. Chiefs offense, even without Kareem Hunt, Damian Williams is doing a great job. Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, I get it. Their defense is not good. It's not good. I don't think it's as bad as you think. Okay. I okay, think so it's not great. If you look at overall stats and you compare it to how how their team started the first half compared okay. to how it is now, I promise you you'll find a, a bit better difference. But when it's all put together. It's Five like, points. 
I like the Colts. And I would even – this has down 10. This has the Seattle-Dallas scenario written all over it. Luck's going to be moving the ball on this team. I think they're going to keep it within five okay, points. Okay, so history is on the Colts' side because don't the Colts usually get the better better half of Kansas City? They have. They like, actually like, – Chiefs last uh, – they last time the Chiefs – I think they're trying to win their first home playoff game in like 24 years. They actually got upset 20 years ago on the same situation right? by the and Colts. But – Andy Reid's track record in playoffs. It's the other thing, it gets a bet against Andy okay, Reid. <laughs> I, I get it, I get it, but I, I think with Patrick Mahomes, this isn't your grandma's Chiefs. Okay, I don't think. I think at first, you know, you look at this whole thing, and when Kareem Hunt went, well, he didn't go down. When yeah, well, he went down in flames. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, but down. when he basically was booted off the team, uh, I I thought that was going to be a huge blow to the Chiefs because. To me, he was always like a poor man's Marshawn Lynch where, you know, he's he's one of those guys when he when he gets tackled, he falls forward for three or four yards. Mm-hmm. So, like, when they lost him, I was like, damn. Because whenever I watch Chiefs games and I'm like, damn, they have all this firepower. They have Tyreek. They have, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey. Mahomes yeah, yeah, is now yeah. running around like a maniac. And then the cherry on the top was you can't even tackle Kareem Hunt late in games because your defense is tired from chasing these guys all game. And now he wears you down. But I gotta say, man, Damian Williams has done a nice job since he stepped in. Dolphins are just are just great. They're just letting yeah, him well, go for nothing, and we you can know. talk about how <laughs> still, <been> still, <laughs> still the only team without a coach now. Everybody, their job is hired, which I want so, to get to the, in a second. The Chiefs, but yeah, the Chiefs at home with that crowd. I don't know, man. I just Patrick Mahomes to me. Now, granted, you might be right. Five might be too many points. Um, but this is a game where I, if I'm playing this, I'm laying the two twenty money line Chiefs. Okay. I don't think you're, the Colts you're, you're more I'm too smart. I'm a little disappointed how smart these decisions are. I want that impulse, like. Oh, I mean, you come in, the shirt's all buttoned up. You're, like, coming from work. All oh, class, well, yeah, this is, this is an act. I wanted, is... Yeah, I wanted, like, you know, two phones, like, shirt all the way buttoned yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, I got, like, my, my book, you know, speed yeah. dial. Or just crawling in here, like, you can't let anyone know I'm here. I'm on the yeah, land. I owe people some money. I wanted the highs and lows. Smell like but, cigarettes. But this is, yeah. No, but I, I yeah. I'm, I'm not going to take Colts money. I'm going to take points because... That's a bigger leap for me. Yeah, winning well, this game. Keep I'm in more, mind, you know. keep in mind that everybody watched the Colts play last week. Everybody's hot on the Colts right now. The Chiefs have, you know, they've been out of the spotlight for a second, just for a second. I understand, but the Colts have been a headline this week. Andrew Luck and how much they turned around and how good their offense is and yada yada yada. So. It feels a little trappy to me. I can see the Chiefs winning this game by 7, by 10. I'm going to play it safe. I don't like 5 because it's not a key number. You know, key numbers like 3, 4, 6, 7. 5 is a weird number. I'm, I'm If I play this, I'll be playing the money line on the Chiefs. 1 and 5 to start the season, the Colts. Yeah, crazy. 10 and, 10 and 1 in their That's last That's absolutely 11. insane. I'm going to go I mean, Colts people had to have wrote them off at that time, right? Also, yeah, for sure. For sure. There's only like a handful of teams that have ever started that bad to ever make the playoffs right. ever. I think this is another one to kind of look at that over-under. 57 looks a little low for my liking. I don't do over-under. Whoa, 57 looks low? I think this is going to be a that Monday night. Out. That Monday night football game between the Chiefs and the Rams, over-under, was the highest over-under. It was 63, I believe. And that went to 100. I'm not gonna, we're not going to get that big, but I, I like But that is a big spread. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, that could go over, to be honest with you. 
I think it's but I don't know. I, in my opinion, I think the Chiefs' defense is better. I think they're going to – I think they'll handle – Is very Barry playing? Yeah, he's playing. We, we I think they're going to handle their business against the Colts. I don't know. That's just my – that's my right. gut feeling. What's your runner-up game? What's the – what's second place for second game Second place week? game has to go to the Dallas Cowboys okay. and the I think Rams. we broke the tie with the – And I'm just saying this because I'm a homer with the Eagles, obviously being first. Man, the hardest one for me, man, let me tell you this right now. This game to me is one that I probably will stay away from because I see every argument to why the Cowboys could outright win this game and definitely cover. But – this is a tale of how is this game going to be played on what terms we see we hear that a lot who's going to dictate the terms of this game if it's a, we know if it's a shootout the rams will probably run away with it but if the cowboys control the line of scrimmage if they get a lead they they deploy zeke on them mm-hmm. if golf if they if they shut down Gurley, if any team shuts down Gurley in the playoffs about, don't, don't like your Rams chances. Don't like anybody in all his Rams chances. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Do you think so we saw the Rams start early in the season. They started hot and they were the Rams and everybody, you know, just they, ram they it. destroyed yeah. like, you know, Oakland and Arizona 34 nothing and you know, they would they you know, they had a hot start, but ever you, since ever since uh what game was it? Um Seattle was a close win. Um Seattle Detroit was, was ugly. Do you, They've do been you bad think, against the spread. They've been bad you, against the spread. Not even that. Do you think this Rams team is you know what they've been hyped up to be for you know ever since McVay took over going into this playoffs. Do you honestly think they're like a scary football team? Because I don't. At I th- all. I put them honestly. This is why I love this playoffs. These playoffs, not too many scary teams out there. I'd say the scariest Saints. is the Saints. Yeah. Yes, I'll agree. With Chiefs that. are the same way. I put them in the same category as the Chiefs. I still have questions. That Rams defense. Specifically, that secondary. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, Marcus Peters it just gets thrown on every is game. Not good. It's bad when Tlaib, who's like what thirty three, is clearly their best corner guy. I think I tweeted this a long time ago. Not Peters that is a clown that no. you called. Well, that was fine. Um, I tweeted this a long time ago. Not that it's important or anything, but I just thought that they every time you see teams do this and they bring in a, a Dama Kung Su, they bring in a Peters, they bring in a Tlaib. It's like it never works out. When have you ever seen that work out in football? Donald is a stud, though. And but Donald was drafted. That, I know. That's I'm just guy. saying, like, the Rams defense. Like, how? hold on. Yeah. The Dominic Kung Su was supposed to be this, like, monster in the middle. You pair him next to Donald. And what has he done this year? Nothing. Taking a lot of penalties. He's good for those. Dude, uh, that is exactly what you call karma. For being such a scumbag, dirty player <laughs> this entire career. You put him next to the best D tackle in football, and he doesn't do man, anything. Shout out to Aaron Donald, man. He led the league in sacks from, from tackle. From D tackle. That yeah. never happens. He almost broke Strahan's record. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. The, the Rams secondary, it's not just the Peters and those guys have been bad. It's that there have been a lot of blown coverages. There's a lot of plays where they're looking around, and, and no one's running. No one has their man. Look, my I would take. I mean, I'm, I think you're definitely leaning Cowboys on this one. And my question is, do you feel froggy for the money line? Because I think that's where we're at right now. Playoff football. If you're giving anybody a touchdown, you got to really consider it. <laughs> Look, I think play, playoffs are fun when it comes to gambling because you only have X amount of games, right? So, like here, we have four games. So that's when you really have to turn on your creative juices in your head because your your board isn't like on week seven or like week fifteen when all nobody yeah. has buys. And there's so much going on; it can be a little overwhelming. You have four games, so you want to get creative. You can do teasers, you can do money lines, Some first half bets if you want. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's a little yeah. different. I mean, yeah. but like I'm talking like you. There's a lot of manipulations of numbers you can do here. So 
for this game specifically, I actually I love the Cowboys here. I love them. Uh, seven, I'll be taking that just because it's it's a full seven. I love that number. And then I'll also be sprinkling a little coin on the money line. Mm. Um, another thing to keep in mind with, with playoffs is um, I what I just said about manipulating everything. There's a lot of options you can do. Vegas knows this. There's a lot of times when they'll set a number at six or set a number at seven, and then you can tease it down the favorite and be like, oh, well, I, I get the Rams at minus one. All they have to do is win the game. That's easy, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot yeah. of times there's there's a lot of like – like it's almost like a trap. It's, all, it's they'll, what they'll breaks every like, teaser hey. in the NFL every Sunday is the one team that just loses outright. Right, like the Bears last week were six point, you know, and I, I there was probably a ton of people that teased the Bears down the pick. Yeah, it's incredible. I think look, Peters and Talib got to play well because Mari Cooper's coming. And that's going to be, I mean, <laughs> if Dak plays well, it's not, it's we not talked as, about this earlier. If Dak plays well in this game, yeah, it's, they're, they're right where no, they need to be. But it's not even about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott just needs to not turn the ball over. Yeah. And the Cowboys that's what I'm saying, but game. if he plays well, it's like, whoa. Like, yeah. Oh, dude, if he catches fire? Oh, dude, yeah. it's over. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zeke and Gurley on the same field is good, but remember, in these big games, the Bears game against the Rams-Bears, uh, Seahawks the first time, you got to get Gurley going. Because if you don't get Gurley going, you make this Jared Goff trying to beat everybody. Honestly, man, mm. that's all the Rams have at this point. Who Who is scaring you from the receiver end? Don't tell me Robert Woods. No, it's Robert not, Woods no, has Brandon not... Cooks love. No, not really. How many teams has Brandon Cooks been on now in, in the since he's... Three in his five It's years unreal. Like, short. he's he's... He is what he is. I don't. I don't know. I never understood the love. I never understood the love for Brandon Cooks. But if you if they shut down Todd Gurley, which I fully expect Cowboys to do, and they depend on Jared Goff to win them that game, or as I like to call him, Jared Goof. I, it's great. I, it's a great nickname. I can't stand him. Put a lot of. Nothing, let me just tell you, nothing was more painful than me watching the Rams and Eagles game. I watched the entire game, and watching Jared Goff's face as he goes up to the line, and you could tell. With the, you can see his eyes. He's he's listening to whoever McVeigh talking his helmet, and then and then the light bulb clicks, and then he's like pointing around all around, and like that pains me. I as mean, you got to cut him some slack because he doesn't know that the sun raises in the right. east and sets in the west. Uh, you know so. what? That's when I first started hating. <laughs> that was it. That's it. You're off. So wow. if I can if I can rely so f- if I can make Goff beat me or try to make him wow. beat me, then you're in a great situation. Wow. I've seen well, listen. I've seen Goff make great throws. Now, I'm not saying he's not talented. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he has that fire in him. He'll, he playoff doesn't have time, that. Let's see what you got. He, he still hasn't won his that, playoff game. They lost at home last year. He doesn't have that as killer. a favorite to the Falcons. And you know what? I have seen the future. The, the future headline. <laughs> the future headline will say: Sean McVay and the Rams can't win a playoff game. Great regular season team. That's what would happen. Well, and I'm trying to think, man. It's crazy that that Nick Foles just cannibalized the the Wentz and Golf debate. Like he just owned both of them in different ways. He's beaten golf a couple of times. And yeah, now especially <laughs> golf or foals. I mean, at this point. All right, <laughs> Anthony Germain, Money Mitch Effect. Last game to talk about in the divisional playoff round. It's the Saints hosting the Eagles. There it is. Eight points. Love it. I'm going to give you my pick first, and then I'll let you just monologue, stump, you know, however you want to do it. I do <laughs> think the Saints cover this. I love the full story, and I think he can play well. Clearly better than Wentz played in a similar game a couple weeks ago. But what does Breeze do in life? He just destroys terrible secondaries. And that's the issue that I don't think you can correct from the last time they played was how bad the Eagles secondary was, equally as injured. I think I think 
I think this is a high-scoring game that probably hits the over. I think Foles puts up a fight, but I like the Saints to cover at home. You think Breeze will tear up a secondary if he's getting pressured up the middle by uh, Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan the whole, the whole game? Yeah, I think they can pick I don't, it up. because that's exactly what Dallas did to him when they okay. when they lost that game. And I fully expect the Eagles to pretty much in Dallas. That. In Dallas. Yeah, it was in Dallas. I don't. It, that's fine. You Listen, don't think they, so you don't think there's a difference between the Saints home and away? Uh, they said Chicago was a hostile area to go in there, and it's almost impossible to beat the Bears in Chicago. I love Mr. Trubisky. He's from my hometown, but look, I'm not going to compare him to Drew Brees. Look, I get it. I'm not comparing Trubisky to Drew Brees. I was comparing environments. And I and I actually will agree with you. The Saints environment is probably the most hostile in the NFL, especially when the Saints are as good as they are. Um, but listen, Nick Foles... <laughs> Like, I have a theory. I have a I have a theory that uh, back when Tim Tebow was in the NFL, uh, Tim Tebow was touched by God, and then when the NFL did Tim Tebow dirty, God got mad at the NFL, turned his back on the NFL until Nick Foles was rejuvenated. And listen, when you're when your guys are that embedded in their faith, they are touched by God, and I will not. Nick Foles will go toe to toe with Drew Brees. If it if it comes down to a high scoring game, the Eagles will match it. If it's a low scoring game, the Eagles will probably. This game, in my opinion, it's gonna it's going to be close, and it's gonna come down to the last the last drive, just like the Bears game. Wow, I just I can actually see the Eagles having a having a ten point lead, and then the Saints come back, and it's gonna be a sweat for the Eagles with that defense. I think the only way that I'm a little concerned is the backdoor Nick Foles cover. Uh, it's not going to be a cover. The Eagles will win this game outright. Wow. So you're money line betting. And this, yeah, yeah, this totally doesn't sound like a fan talking to me. This sounds like a. <laughs> Listen, last year when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, every there was not one ounce of me for. It was. It sounds. No, it sounds crazy. There was not one ounce of me that, that I wasn't worried about it. And this game. I'm not. I have that same you exact. Think feeling. They're just as good as they were last year. No, <laughs> I don't think. That's the talent, logic talent-wise. I don't think they're as good, but they're playing at a level. Sometimes it's not about the the teams like talent. It's how they're playing at that particular time. And right now, this team is 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 believing in themselves and they're ready to go. I get that, but the Saints are a good football. Ignore team. that. I understand that. They're as the scariest well. team. And again, that. let me ask you: you ever since the Saints. Lost to the Cowboys. Uh-huh. Do you think that Saints team has been as dominant as they were all season? Because before that, they were putting up fifty burgers right. or forty exactly. high forty burgers on people. Exactly. That Buccaneers game, I forget. I, yeah. I think the final score they ended up winning by two touchdowns. Right. But that but final we can go was through every team in this tournament, and but I can how, show you a bad loss. But no, it's not even that. It's how they're or how, a bad or an ugly win. What I'm trying to say is, I think the Saints this season peaked early, and then towards the end, Carolina. They beat them twelve to nine without Cam Newton, or no, with a hurt Cam Newton. Was this recently? Yeah, this was week week fifteen at Carolina. Uh Cam Newton couldn't throw the ball further than ten yards. It almost lost that game. Okay. Okay. Pittsburgh. They they beat Pittsburgh thirty one to twenty eight. Close. They lost to Carolina last game, game, but I'm pretty sure they benched all their players. Yeah. All I'm saying is, since the Cowboys beat them, I think there's been a blueprint out there to kind of follow, and. I don't, I don't think, think the they're as good as you might think they are. Everybody's remembering these 45, the, the uh, 51, the 14, 48, the 7. Don't. I'm just okay. saying. All right. Okay. So I will be playing on this game okay. as well. Of course you will. 
Mo- it, a little money line. No, I'm not getting crazy. Okay. But actually, oh. you know what? I am getting crazy. Uh, there I'm, it is. I'm going money line. <laughs> I'll take the points just because I'm not a complete psycho. Um, yeah, and that's what I'm rolling with. They're okay. my two favorite games. I like the Cowboys. I like the Eagles. Okay. I like the Eagles to play the Cowboys in the championship game, which would be crazy because the Cowboys swept the Eagles this year. It's a division rival. Third time's a charm. In so, Dallas. Right, but and they also beat us. They also beat the Eagles with Carson Wentz both times. They haven't played Foles. Then the Eagles go on to the Super Bowl to play the Andy Reid oh, and the Andy Kansas City Reed. Chiefs. Ex Eagles coach, Big I'd Red. Down, I'd be down for that. I'd be down for my dream Super Bowl, my scenario of the Rivers Breeze revenge situation, Breeze against the Chargers. And championship games could be two divisional matchups. We could see. Chargers, Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles. Yeah, that would, that would be crazy. I, I was just trying to think when the last time was where a division a division rivals have played each other in the championship game. Uh, Ravens, Steelers, 2009. When the Steelers won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah that's the last I could think of. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to remember who. If you go back and... Pats got upset by the Jets in like a divisional round the one year. Yeah, I don't think that was a chance. That was the Bart um, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, geez, that might be the oh, Bears. Bears Packers. Wait, what did, what Bears did, Packers? That was Bears Packers is the answer. By the what way, what did Bart Scott say in that interview? Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bears Packers is the answer to your question. The Rodgers won the Super Bowl. That Bears the Packers when uh, when they played hurt and didn't come in the game. And oh was my whole god! Caleb Haney, Todd Jesus Collins. Christ. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for coming on, Aunt Jermaine, buddy. My What's pal. my name? I was gonna call you Anthony, but we never call you. We just call you Jermaine, <laughs> or just like the guy that's making bets. Yeah. Oh well, that's. I hope everyone enjoys the playoffs because Freddie Kitchens and the Browns are coming to just run this next year. Man. So. Yeah. Thanks it's... for coming, NFL. Baker Mayfield's gonna just destroy you next year. You know the yeah. Well, they still are the Browns, Mitch. Okay. Um, All right. One Super Bowl really the, changes. The, the Freddie Kitchens hire seems a little desperate. Mm, seems a little yeah. well. Maybe not desperate is the is the correct word, but it just seems he does does, does that guy. Real quick, does he strike you as a head coach? Compared to who? Uh, Mike McCarthy out there. Adam Gase. (laughs) Adam Gase, yeah. Really, okay. Yes, um, you need offensive guy. You need offensive minds in this age. He called a great game plan the second half of the season. He did. got rid of Hugh Jackson. RIP, good rins. He Don't co- rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> take that yeah, back. Hugh Jackson Jackson needs to be a blacklisted from the NFL along with... No, actually, I disagree. Coach the, any team in the AFC North, you have my full blessing. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that works, too. But, um, but, no. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting one. If you think that's desperate, what is Cliff Kingsbury? <laughs> well, no. I mean, a, if that's... A, you, I mean, at least Kitchens had success in the NFL. I just, I just think there's this, like, panic in the NFL that they have to get... Everybody has to get the next McVeigh and has to get the next... Like, friends, Matt before. But, like, the Titans much, offense wasn't even good this year. How, how much experience <laughs> does, does Freddie Kitchens have? I mean... No, no it, is, it is quick, for sure. He calls for how many games? He calls plays for how many games? It is quick, for sure. But I did like his answer a couple weeks ago, and he's like, who's ever ready to be a head coach? That's fair. I, I'm not. I don't I actually don't have anything. Against One of the longest him. tenured coaches in the NFL right now, John Harbaugh, was the Eagles special teams coordinator. Right. That's just like you know. Not but when I look at Freddie Kitchens, he he, and I've seen like some of his like sound bites of him playing around with the with like Baker scratching yeah. his beer and stuff. I he just to me, I don't see it. But okay. what do I know? Yeah. I'm just a. I'm just a. You hated Doug Peterson. I know. that. I did hate Doug Peterson. He won you over. Yeah. Well, so. no, we're not going to talk about that. 
Well, Jermaine, this was fun. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Hope everybody out there makes money if you're playing on this game. And, uh, yeah, if you win, treat yourself to some uh, milk steaks on us. Oh, yeah. You and these, you and these sunny lines. Come on, what, what else? It was a good, it was a good last couple seasons. But yeah, no, I had, a, I had a ton of fun. Uh, hopefully, we can do this again soon. For sure. Thanks for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Anthony Jermaine, Mitch, Michael, signing off. Good luck this week. All right, huge thanks to Anthony Jermaine for coming on today's show, breaking down the NFL, all the betting lines. We're going to be watching. We're going to see how many upsets pulled off. This is my favorite weekend of the NFL. Games are at a premium. You really got to appreciate it. Big thanks again to Anthony Germain. Also, want to say check out his main event column. He uh, is making picks a lot. Probably next year we'll be getting it up again, but check that out as well for his NFL gambling advice. All right, now it's time to talk with Jose Youngs about New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 13. Omega Tanahashi was a classic. Naito Jericho was good as well. Some other great matches, including Okada and Jay White, to break down and where New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to go from here. It's Jose Youngs from MMA Fighting to break down Wrestle Kingdom 13. All right, back again on the Money Mitch Effect. He promised he'd call back in a week later. First double spot of uh, the history we've been doing in here, talking all things Wrestle Kingdom 13, MMA fighting writer Jose Young's Jose. Welcome back to the show. It is a glorious time to be back, and I'm always down in Tatsu, New Japan. It's, it is the first follow-up that we've done, and we, yep. we had to do it because I think you were as hyped for, for this as any event uh, that we've, we've ever talked about, but... Wrestle Kingdom 13, you said it was the best card you saw on paper. We saw eight title changes. Every title on the main card switched hands. It was phenomenal. We saw a lot of different things. Some good, some interesting, I'll say. But altogether, your final read on this card, did you like it? Did it meet your expectations? I know they were pretty high, but what was your uh, overall reaction to Wrestle Kingdom 13? The top two fight matches definitely delivered. Um the the Jay White Okada match I think delivered, but I'm sure we'll talk about it later. The pacing was weird. Uh, as a fan, like just watching as a fan, a lot of my personal favorites won. Um, so that was that was really exciting. Uh, the but I really I really did enjoy it. Uh, it felt a little. I'm sure we're gonna, like you said we're going to talk about the pacing, but uh, I did it. it. It was an awesome. It was an awesome card. It was a, definitely a ten out of a ten card. Yeah, and two things stood out to me. One, you really realize just how gifted a lot of these performers are, and not just in terms of speed and athleticism, and athleticism in the true sense of being able to be quick and jump off of things, which a lot of these wrestlers could do, but the different types of submission, the storytelling, and just you could see, at least I could, Jose, that they're that slow burn of storytelling, even within the match, they're telling the story that they've been building up for each year. So I think for wrestling fans, for casual wrestling fans, and I put myself in that category, you see how a, stra- a stark contrast between other promotions, specifically WWE, when you watch just each individual matches that are telling the story that it did take an entire year in some cases to build up. I always laughed. A lot of people, especially the Western audience, they kind of uh, stick their nose up to Japanese wrestling because they... they they perceive it as like a lack of storytelling or lack of in-ring psychology where like you and I grew up watching the rock and stone cold, obviously. And 
they were the masters of it. Like they weren't the most athletic, but you could tell exactly what was going on, who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, and all that. Shawn Michaels, obviously, and Ric Flair, Hogan, all those guys were storytellers rather than wrestlers. And a lot of people just view Japanese wrestling as uh, more choreographed, like more uh, risk-taking choreography rather than telling a story, which I always laughed at because it's just different. It's just a completely different, like, slow burn, like you said. And uh, they're much more uh, athletic. Like, they they treat wrestling as a sport. Yeah, they do obviously have storylines with factions and good guys and bad guys and all that stuff. But it's uh, it's definitely different, and I think it's uh, I think it's the not the it's the it's what's it's what sells in wrestling now specifically. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I would also say that as we get into the card itself from an overarching view, the pacing. Uh, I thought first off, my my complete praise to the fact what the matches on the card, Jose, how they were staggered. I thought was a phenomenal job. Because yeah. it really did, in that terms of pacing, how you use the word in that sense, I think it was a good job, the different types of matches going from one style to the other, uh, specifically starting out with the Ibushi match and then Jericho Naito going to second last. I mean, I know that's the Intercontinental Championship, but the type of match that they had I thought was perfect for the second last slot on the card leading up to the Omega Tanahashi match. But I will say it did catch me off guard for the first matches up into those last two. Jose, every match was under 20 minutes. Uh, only yeah. the Ibushi match went 18. Everything else was under 15 minutes, including, most notably, Okada and Jay White. Was that as big of a shock to you? I know you follow a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling. We've seen a lot of these Wrestle Kingdom cards that lasted much longer. How shocked were you by how short some of these matches were? Uh, some of the matches, I, I wasn't shocked. Like the uh, the the three-way tag matches, those are usually pretty fast because they try they have to get everyone's uh, offense in. The, the Zack Sabre uh, Ishii fight, they can fit. Like, those guys are just professionals. Like, they're two of the best on the world, and they can do all, they can do every, a ton of stuff in four minutes. So, 10 minutes was fine. The tag match with LIJ, uh, GOD, and the Young Bucks, same thing as the three way. The other three way, it's just they got to get, they got to fit everyone in. Uh, the other three way, they have to fit everyone's offense in. I was surprised Juice and Cody didn't get 10. Ten minutes. That was the biggest surprise to me, um, but I, I was very, very shocked they didn't give White and Okada more than more than fifteen minutes. Uh, I, I think Osprey Ibushi at the time when I saw it, I think I was. I, I remember talking to you. I was so hyped on it. I was hoping for like a twenty-five minute just chaos, twenty-five to thirty minute chaos, and it ended up being a little more than fifteen. At the time, I was bummed out, but I guess it makes sense. They, uh, but yeah, it was. It felt weird. It felt very, very weird after a while. Yeah, I would say that my least favorite match on the card would probably be Cody Juice Robinson, not just because of the time. I know Cody is, was, is dealing with an injury. He's going to get that taken care of. I just didn't, and not that it was a bad match. I think that's a testament to how good the rest of the card was. That was the one that stood out to probably being my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Some of the tag matches, I understand their place on the card. You mentioned the junior heavyweight tag championship match. It was just, it was a spot fest, and I mean that in a good way. It was seven minutes of just of chaos in there. I did like Ibushi Osprey, and I think you hit the nose on the head when we were talking about this last week. They'll jump off anything. From the time that bell rang, it was just nonstop action. So, And I really like that. Right when the bell rang, it was go, go, go. Osprey has a style that I think complemented Ibushi so well. And I was just, this match to me was the underrated match on the card because it, it was on first. It didn't really get the, the promo for uh, the other matches. But I just like watching Ibushi work, and you start to see that Osprey is a star in the making in this open weight division. And I really do hope 
the open weight, like, because the open weight is, I remember, like, when the Intercontinental was debuted to New Japan, it was kind of after a while they they just did poor booking, like it was booked very poorly, and no one really took it seriously. And then Nakamura, when he was in New Japan, kind of made it his life's mission to put that to bring prestige to that that championship. And he really built it up to the point where he actually headlined a Wrestle Kingdom against Tanahashi for the Intercontinental over the Heavyweight Championship. So uh, the the Never Openweight is kind of going through that now. No one really takes it seriously. It bounces around so much. You don't really see like Naito, Okada, Tanahashi, all those people uh, battling for it. Yes, yeah, Suzuki Goon uh, has had it a bunch, especially Minoru Suzuki's had it a bunch. But I think Osprey and Ibushi were the perfect. Uh, wrestlers to to for this for this because there's no open weight means and there's no weight class like right. a heavyweight could wrestle a, like, a, like kushida could wrestle omega or tanahashi and they either one could win i think this is the perfect match for it and i really do hope osprey holds it for a long time and kind of builds that championship back up to uh, uh more of like a united states championship like the fourth championship yeah they said last year it, it i guess changed hands eight times and, yeah, and that's, that's the whole thing. That's an insane number for any title and any promotion. But, yeah, I think Osprey has uh, a lot of talent there, and uh, I was a big fan of that match. The you know Some of the other matches that we can kind of go through, I did like Zack Sabre, that, that match against yeah. Ishii. Uh, I really and, like and that it, match. There was some, you know, it was different. It, it stood out because it was unlike some of the other matches on the card, and some great submissions, including the one that won the match for Sabre. Uh, always good to see Takamichi Noku from the old school WWF <laughs> days uh, sure. in his corner. But, you know, I think that match was good because it was unique. It wasn't the best match, but, you know, it stood out, and I thought their styles were good. It was that change of pace match that so was like, wow, this is a little odd. Yeah, and that's, like, Zack Sabre's the best in the world at that. I remember when Daniel Bryan was still doing his thing. He was, like, regarded as the premier, like, submission, like, chain wrestling wrestler out there. And then when he... He had to quote unquote retire, and then he eventually came back. I think during that time, Zack Saber took Daniel Bryan's blueprint and kind of elevated it and evolved it into a kind of more of a aggressive, violent submission fest. Uh, and Ishii, I think, is the most I, I personally think is the most underrated wrestler in the world. I mean, he can have a match, a good match with anybody. Uh, he can wrestle any style. Like he he wrestled Omega for the first ever United States Championship, and they put on a banger. I mean. Submission specialist, flippy, like strong style. Five seven like, two twenty too. I mean, it's, yeah, it's well, I, I think he's the best. I think he's the perfect wrestler, uh, like a perfect wrestler for someone like Zack Saber who's trying to build himself up because Ishii's never in a bad match. He's uh, regarded very highly in the Japanese circuit to the point where if if like in the G one especially, like when you have you see these matches like Hangman Page versus Okada, like you kind of know Okada's gonna win. But Ishii's one of those guys where he'll never win the heavyweight championship. Like the most he'll ever get is Intercontinental, and that's a big maybe. But he can beat anyone on any given day and it won't be a fluke. He's that good. And I was really glad that he got Zack Sabre Jr. on that card. So we'll put Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, versus Daniel Bryan along with Cena Tanahashi on that crossover card. Oh, man. That would. That's up, there. That's up there, though. That's, that's probably your number two or three. I mean, we can we can ask it out later, but that's definitely on your radar for matches that I... if we do this, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, that's just psychological, slow, methodical, like submission, 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 submission. I would be 100% all about it. Let's do it in, let's do it in an armory, old school style. That's what we need to do. Oh, my. 
Uh, Jose Young's Money Mitch effect as we keep going on this Wrestle Kingdom 13 recap card. The tag match was interesting. I like watching the Mm -hmm. Young Bucks wrestle, and they were back out for the main event in Kenny Omega's corner. But I think it's interesting, too. Triple threat tag matches in general, I I won't say I'm a huge fan of them. I mean, I know some of the most iconic WWF matches were those TLC matches, but I think it's hard, Jose, to tell a story without any props on the outside, especially given 10, 11 minutes. I thought these guys did a pretty good job. They're all just unbelievably gifted wrestlers, but it's a hard task to do a triple threat tag match in under 11 minutes. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the Young Bucks, God, and Lij are, are perfect for that type of match. They've been do- they've they've worked together for so long. Uh, specifically, like those three groups have wrestled each other so much over the years that they can meet like a few minutes before the match and be like, "Hey, let's do ten minutes," and they know exactly what to do. Uh, every I, everyone knew the Young Bucks weren't going to win. I don't. I think their time in New Japan is no more, especially because they're starting their own wrestling promotion. I was very surprised God lost. I thought uh, they needed the win, especially since like the Young Bucks and Hangman and Cody and maybe Kenny. That's up in the air. Is all it's all up. They're all leaving New Japan. I thought God kind of needed that win to keep the, the the Bullet Club with Jay White afloat as champions. But like I said, remember what I said on the preview show with Naito and Lij. Two thousand eighteen was their worst year, and New Japan really loves that build up. Like mm-hmm. they're gonna pull themselves back up, and every Lij every Lij guy won. The Li the Li uh, Bushi and Shingo won. Sonata and Evil won. We're gonna talk about Naito after. So. Just like I said, the the process has already been started. They did, they did, and uh, yeah, you, you called that one. I mean, we've been we, you've been making predictions. That was one that you were dead on, and I think part of it is some of the people leaving, which we will get to at the end of this. A quick thought though on that junior heavyweight championship. I mean, I didn't really follow a lot of these guys. I know it was uh, it was phenomenal just to see how athletic they are, and it was one of the matches where I'm like, I hope somebody doesn't get hurt. That was the only time I said that throughout the card because that was like a a car crash waiting to happen how fast those guys are moving in there oh yeah those guys are just like yeah 100 percent. it's uh don't you don't want to blink when those guys are in the in the in the ring and and really to put it at the slot that it was i mean some pressure on there because you have the three big matches coming up right they did a great job we do have to talk about Jay White versus Okada. Because, I do want I, I oh, do yeah. want to say one thing about yeah. Kushida. Kushida, yeah. like I said, he's the ace of the of the uh, the junior heavyweight division. He was like the Tanahashi of junior heavyweights. He's leaving New Japan now, and it's all signs point to he's going to go to NXT. Maybe oh, he is wow. like thirty five or thirty six, so he's he's up there in age, and he's still the best junior heavyweight, maybe the second best ever. I'd probably put Jushin Thunder Liger number one just for his, his, his historical purposes, but Kushida I'd probably put number two. Um, and he did this press conference, and it was very emotional. So for his last ever match, he's wrestling uh, Tanahashi wow. so in his, his New Japan go-away match because those two were the aces. So it's ace, it's ace versus junior ace, and it's going to be a super emotional scene. Thunder Liger, that is a old school reference. Hey man, I don't. He's still wrestling too. I know, he's still I, out there. Yeah, he is. He is. And speaking of, uh, and speaking of that, we'll we'll go to the we'll go to the Jay White match now because I have some thoughts on sure. obviously these last three matches. But Jay White and Okada, you said on this podcast this would make him a made guy if he beats Okada, and he beat him clean, Jose, in the middle of that ring in a match that had some shenanigans on the outside, but some of the best. Some of the best storytelling, 
especially with the old manager for uh, Okada's old manager now working with Jay White. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okada embracing his Rainmaker character again in the middle of the ring. Some of the best counters. I, I don't think I've seen finisher moves countered. I don't think I've seen the actual winning finisher move countered that many times before it was hit. I'll say that. But Jay White yeah. is just a phenomenal wrestler. I know we both wish it would have been longer. Okada is is a legend already, as we know. But I, I was happy with this match. It felt longer, and I think that's the best compliment I could give it. Yeah, and I'm really glad Jay White won. Okada didn't need the victory, especially with no with no title. Uh, this kind of, especially if Kenny's leaving, this kind of supplants Jay White as the number four. So it's like White, Okada, Naito, and Tanahashi. And Jay White's like in his 20s still. He's by far the most hated man on the roster in terms of being a heel. He still has a bullet club behind him. Uh, he's great on the ring. He's He actually came up through the New Japan Dojo. So he's he knows the ins and outs of the, the promotion and I like the story that he had been watching Okada for so long, especially in the dojo, that he knows he like, quote unquote, figured it out. He's like, I figured out how to beat you. And that's exactly what happened. So like you said, he he had counters for like everything Okada did. And I think that storyline between White and Okada is going to play out for most of 2019. And I'm all in for I know Tanahashi, Jay White and Tanahashi, that's going to be their thing now. But I think Okada and White are going to be a, a – that's going to – I would not be surprised if they rematch next year. These are two cerebral athletes in there. Their wrestling psychology is great, but they're unbelievable athletes. And, Jose, since we're throwing out dream crossover matches, I'll take Jay White and Seth Rollins. Mm. That's one I want to see. But, you know, yeah, there's a lot of different ones would, out there. I think that would be one that I think could uh, – d- depend. I wouldn't hate it. Depending on I the absolutely story. would not hate that. But Okada is going to be back in the mix very soon as well. Uh, this was just a great match. Yes. Jericho Naito, look, you know I'm a big Chris Jericho fan and maybe not a fan of the new the new Chris Jericho in terms of him gaining a bunch of weight and being a little different, slower down there, but you've got to accept the fact that he's you know pushing 50 and he's still a pioneer in the wrestling industry. He plays a great heel. His storyline character was great. And... I think Naito is one of the, maybe even in that running for best wrestler in the world. This was a great match. I think it really did tell the story that Naito was just so pissed off by Jericho and what he represented in taking his title. You mentioned the story also of Naito having the worst year of his life, bouncing back, this being the first step in his road to redemption. I thought this match was amazing. I I really did. I thought this accomplished everything it needed to be, and it showed you yet again that Naito is one of the, like I said, or if not the best wrestler in the world. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'd probably put him in terms of just overall, because he's not the most athletic, but in terms of being a professional wrestler, he's definitely top five for sure. He's uh, still, better than anyone, I think. I, right up there with anyone. Oh, for sure, for sure. You think he's dead. Like, or Abushi's probably the best in the world, but Naito's right up there. Uh, I, I still put Okada, I think Okada, Omega, and AJ Styles are better, but I put Naito four. I got no problem with him putting him right there at four. Uh, but I think the Naito Jericho match is the blueprint for what a no DQ match should be. Like, yeah, they had the the tussle outside, they had the table spot, but there was no like needless blood or violence or it was just perfect for what it is. It was just, hey, there are no rules. We can do whatever we want, but and we're gonna try and kill each other, but make it look realistic. Uh, I think if a young wrestler watches that match. That's how you do a no DQ match. I thought Naito was dead after that DDT spot on the table where his forehead just went yeah. like right on oh. right onto the thing. Sold it. 
I thought he was dead. Uh, my favorite match of the card, for sure, obviously, because I'm a huge mark, but it I was great. I think so. I think it was, too. Uh, the, my two favorite parts were early when Jericho was talking trash to the announcement. Yeah. was great. And I just, we've talked about this, but I love how Naito sells a code breaker. I mean, that's just, that's what wrestling is to me. You think he died. Like, you literally think his skull, like, he basically does a headstand on Jericho's knee. It's It's incredible, but... And I'm very glad he got that title back. I don't know where I I, I think he's going to be feuding with Suzuki Goon like that whole stable for a while. I think they're going to do squad versus squad for a while. But I would not be surprised if Naito's right back at the top of the Wrestle Kingdom next year. Which I would because Naito Tanahashi you don't really see a lot. No. Like if you if you look back you see it's usually like because Tanahashi is part of a. Um, uh, Taguchi Japan, which is like the another stable, which isn't one of the bigger ones, but you never really see those two stables throw down, so I'd be really intrigued by a storyline between those two. Well, Jose, main event, 39 <laughs> minutes of Omega and, and Tanahashi with Tanahashi getting the win, getting the title back, another triumph in a, in a Wrestle Kingdom main event. What can you say about this match? I mean, it was 40 minutes. It was excellent. It told everything. It let you into the window of both characters. Tanahashi with that never-say-die attitude. Both tremendous workers. Omega being basically a jerk the entire match while also wrestling an A-level match. I think that, to me, was what I remember watching this match. Is Omega showed you both his A-plus character and his in-ring workability. These guys were tremendous. I think it accomplished everything you need to do. And if it is the swan song for Kenny Omega, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat in their last New Japan match. Yeah, that's that's putting it. That's an understatement. I mean, I I still think his matches with Okada were better, obviously, especially yeah, the yeah. Dominion one. But this was up there. I mean, Tanahashi is, is, is like in his early 40s, and he's still putting on five-star matches. And looking back in the... If we're looking back from like 2010 to 2020, I don't know how you don't pick Tanahashi as the best wrestler of that decade, just all around. And if like who had the best runs, the storylines, the best matches, like in just all of wrestling, I think Tanahashi's number. It's hard to argue against him. Uh, Kenny's obviously up there. I was, I thought this was a 50-50. I, I, I kind of assumed Omega would one win, kind of in the back of my head because they kind of handed him the baton after he's the one that dethroned Okada after like X amount of years. And then for him to lose so, like in less than a year was a little surprising. It made me think that maybe he is going. It, that's like the sign that he's out the door. But I don't think anyone was upset with Tanahashi winning. And that, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's very weird in 2019 for a big-time babyface to have the crowd support. Like it's usually like we don't want to boo, we don't want to cheer you. We want to like they'll boo the good guys and they'll cheer the bad guys. But everyone was all aboard the Tanahashi Express. I mean, I just loved a lot of the spots in this match. I, I thought, well, you know what the funniest was when Omega raised the uh, the guy he ran into his hand. Those was perfect. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But he, and I thought Tanahashi was dead on that ta- on that table spot. Some unbelievable stuff. Omega going uh, over the top rope onto the entrance ramp and hitting his backs back flat. I mean it was it was tough stuff and I thought that match was great I thought you could make the argument especially Jose you say you were shocked they were building up to this is the only title that doesn't change hands but no every single yeah. title changed hands it was great storytelling great booking Tanahashi you mentioned last year when we talked that he was dealing with a lot of injuries and I know that's still the case but he looked fine I mean if he's if he's really hurt 
he's doing a great job hiding the pain from the rest of us because that guy put on another great match. Kenny Omega showed why he's in the running for best of the world. It's a little sad for me if this is the last time we see this match in New Japan. I'd like to see it again, but I understand people, you know, biz, or the wrestling business is a business, so we may see Omega elsewhere. But He did tweet. Kenny did tweet after. It was 1-1. One, one. Uh he just wrote one one and then showed the uh, sword, the ramp. Right? He took a picture of the ramp being taken down with his outfit, kind of in the corner. Yeah, his sword, because they've wrestled one on one twice in big matches, and it's one one, which is why everyone, as soon as the match was over, everyone was like, "Oh, Ken, that's a sign Kenny's leaving." But then as soon as he tweeted that, I was like, "Huh." Like, yeah. is that kind of setting up the rubber match down the road? Well, it's a good time, Jose, for us to talk about what's next. I know you mentioned that there's the show after. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling has a show after, uh, a lot like the Raw after WrestleMania. Yeah. We mentioned Omega and other guys might be, some are for sure leaving, some may be leaving, like in Kenny Omega's case. So what exactly do you think the read is going forward? I think the show after, was it Jay White's looking to maybe make that push for the belt already? He definitely, he definitely is. Wow. Well, I'm not going to hate on that. I just I think it's fascinating to see where they go from here. What do you think the big storylines out of the gate are going to be? And, and what do you think, if you had to put your booking cap on, are going to be those slow burn 12-month feuds we're looking at? Um, like I think it's, it's always hard to predict, especially before the G1. The G1 kind of sets the tone for what Wrestle Kingdom is going to be. It kind of sets the tone. Uh, and then Dominion's obviously going to Dominion's like their SummerSlam. It's like their big, big, big pay per view in the summer. That's where uh, Kenny and Okada had the the seven star match. So it just it's hard. It's hard to predict without Kenny because if Kenny leaves, Abushi's going to leave. I don't. I don't think one sticks around without the other. The Bucks and Cody are gone. Hangman is gone. Uh, Marty Skrull still has a few months left. And it, that he might go to NXT because his girlfriend currently wrestles for NXT. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, I would not hate Naito and Tanahashi in the second half of the year, especially. I would love to see Naito win the the G one, but part of me thinks Jay White will win finally. Uh, he he gets the big win at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and then they could do the rubber match between him and Okada in the the final or the rematch between those two in the finals of the G one that has the story and the build. The winner gets the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, and either one could main event Wrestle Kingdom at this point. Uh, Jericho just signs with All Elite Wrestling, obviously, so he can't wrestle. I know they wanted Tanahashi Jericho, but that can't happen. Uh, it's hard, man. A lot of people are leaving. Uh, but Jay White, Tanahashi, I love. I, it might be a little too early. I would have liked to see maybe Tanahashi versus maybe some maybe someone else, like an Ibushi or someone. But I think it's going to be a big year for Zack Sabre Jr. I think it's going to be low-key. It's going to start playing on the seas for a disintegration of LIJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonata gets a lot of big pops. He's one of the him and Evil, or the, the two that beat the G.O.D. and the Young Bucks. And before, um, Hiromu is their junior heavyweight, and he broke his neck over the summer. And he hasn't wrestled since. It was a, it was a horrifying injury oh. on a botched pile, like a botched like package uh, suplex. Yeah. And before that, Li, there were like hints of an of Lij kind of splinters. Like Sonata gets is very popular, and he might want to challenge Naito for the 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 leader of that stable. But then Hiromu got hurt, and it was like such a sad moment. They kind of put that feud on the back burner. So 
I wouldn't hate seeing Naito and Sonata kind of wrestle in the second half of the year, but the first half is always kind of building up to Dominion and the G1, and then the G1 is when you get the big the big push. Wow, that sounds exciting. I mean, I think you have to pay attention early, because and that's the one thing about New Japan Pro Wrestling that we're all learning is that nothing is for sure. Plans change, and, and they are going to... It's going to be weird in, say, 20, 2020, if, when we do this, this podcast next year, there's going to be no Jericho, there's going to be no Kushida, there's going to be no Young Bucks, there's going to be no Cody, there's probably going to be no Kenny. Uh, Minoru Suzuki's on borrowed time. Like We're talking about Tanahashi being like in his early 40s. Like Minoru Suzuki's like 53 okay. and still putting on five-star matches. So it's, it's a weird time in New Japan, but they're not hurting for talent. That's for sure, but there's going to be a lot of names on this card that aren't going to be here next year. Last thing, where do you think Omega ends up, if you had to guess? I think he's going to go to All Elite Wrestling, for sure. That's okay. the... Not WWE? Con, okay. No. Uh, Khan runs... I can't remember his, fir- his first name. He's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a billionaire. Oh, yeah. He's Dog funding Dog. the. He's funding All Elite Wrestling. Uh, they just signed Neville from WWE. He jumped over. Uh, a lot of... Obviously, all of the elites. Jericho just signed with them. A lot of they're the big thing is they're promising like contracts pretty on par with WWE, but the big selling point is they're gonna offer full medical insurance, which Ooh. is like a huge exactly a huge yeah. game changer for wrestlers with less dates and less travel. So if there's like a viable paycheck you can get, get full medical and wrestle less dates. I don't know why you don't do that. It's just a matter. It's just a matter of uh, who they're gonna partner with because I know New Japan is already partnered with Ring of Honor. And that ends that ends in April. But until then, AEW, I think they'll be fine. But eventually, they're going to have to partner with like a uh, a TNA or a New Japan and kind of share talent, uh, so to speak. But I think Kenny's going to join uh, All Elite Wrestling. Those are his best friends. I mean, he. Everyone talks about the Elite being like Cody and the Bucks and Kenny and Hangman, but the original Elite were just Kenny and the Bucks. Those are the two. So I think you can't have Ollie wrestling without Kenny, and I think he's going to jump over there for sure. Wow. Which is not – I wouldn't say he's yeah. a bummer because, like, I would no, – I'll watch good. Kenny. Yeah. It is. I'll watch Kenny versus Neville all day. <laughs> yeah. It, it's an interesting one. I think we're not going to be upset wherever he chooses, but no there's going to be some good matches on the forefront for sure for Kenny Omega. But, Jose, this was fun. Wrestle Kingdom 13 in the books. Good luck covering all these UFC fights coming up. Your plate's going to be full. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's a busy, especially with ESPN. Now the UFC's on ESPN starting January nineteenth uh, from the Barclays Center. The but that's on ESPN Plus, and then the first big network ESPN uh, on cable television is going to be in Phoenix with Cain Velasquez and Francis Ngannou. So you better believe I'm I am ready. Just get my coffee pot ready, and I'll, I'll send me wherever. Repping, <laughs> repping that Sun Devil, Cain Velasquez is going to be one hundred percent. Going to be fun. Jose Young's MMA fighting. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Anytime, boss. And that's it for today's show. Big thanks again to Jose Young and Anthony Germain for coming on and breaking down all the topics. A reminder that you can find every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And follow us on the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page myself at MoneyMitchM21 on Twitter. That's it for today's show. We'll be back next week to talk tennis, among other things. We'll have an Aussie Open preview show that might get released Sunday night, so be on the lookout for that. But 
Lots of breakdown in tennis's first major. Will Roger Federer and Caroline Wozniak defend their titles, or were new champions, maybe even some familiar champions, will they emerge? I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.